<laughs> All right. Oh, God. It's Blair and Barker. What is today? Is today, uh, Tuesday? Today's Wednesday, right? Or as I know. Well, that's right. It's, it's, is it Star Wars Day at the, like, officially Star Wars Day or at the ballpark or? May the fourth be with you. Gee. Gee, I don't. Oh, it's guaranteed that you're going to come in here tomorrow with a with that. No, nah, that Star Wars bag that oh, they're giving away. Happening. Not a chance. Oh, I'm, you know it is. I'm, I'm, no, not a chance. I'm not bringing a Star Wars. But I've never, you know what? I I've never seen the movie. I've never seen. I haven't seen any of the Star Wars movies. Just haven't. No interest. Huh. I played five sports. Anyhow, happy May the Fourth. Time to watch TV. Happy May the Fourth. I guess sir. I get it. Oh, may the fourth be with you. I get it. Oh okay. Okay. Uh, the fourth was not with the fourth was not with the Blue Jays. Because that's night. the third. Oh, that's right. It was the third. Anyhow, the Jays lost nine one to the New York Yankees. And uh they that that was I mean, you might Boy. as well. I mean, you'd have to that's one Other of the other than Alec Manoa. That that was you'd the, have to flash you'd have to flush that thing twice and use a plunger, basically. I mean, you would. You'd have to flush it twice and use a plunger to get rid of that thing. They need to clean some things up. I think your point. Some things. Some uh, things need to get better. No, it's. I mean, that the inning, the six-run seventh inning, the Yankees put together last. Well, that's not happening again. That was a whole bunch of. Oh, it'll happen again. Conspiring. Look, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's going to happen again. There, no, there's going to be not some gonna, bad innings. We're not going to have an inning like that where you've got a blown. Play, well, you yeah, you will have a blown. Blown call by the home plate umpire. You can pretty much guarantee that. But all of those things combined last night, it's pretty hard to imagine that. To imagine that happening again. I mean, the, it, it starts with an error, right? Bow with an error. Bow with an error on a ball. You know how hard that ball was hit? You know how hard that ball was I'm hit last sure night? I'm not sure I care. You shouldn't. You should. It was hit right at you. It was hit 119 miles an hour. It's the hardest. But it, let, let me finish. That was the hardest ball hit in it's the more, majors. This more year. about it's more about the throw than it was. Bo did a good job of knocking that Correct. down. It's more about the throw, the internal clock that he always talks about, knowing who's running. Right, but let's not, not be in let's a hurry not make with it sound. As, let's not make it sound as if he blew a blew a 14 hop or anything like that. It was a hard hit ball that he blocked. He, and and yeah, the throw was it, it was about the throw. And be honest with you, Vladdy gets very stationary at first base, and you see a lot of the times that that stretching. And the way he stretches and the way it looks. Now he's covering. Finish. You see, he's covering that right hand no, now, it's too. Not very, it's not very good. The, 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 I was always taught to put both feet in front of the bag. Don't run over, put a foot stationary on a bag. Because when you do, it looks sort of like it's starting to look with Vladdy just by all the bad throws and the ball. You, you have to expect a bad throw. And, and everything works better from the ground up. And when you become very stationary by running over and putting, I think it's his, it's normally your... Uh, it's his left foot. He runs over, puts it basically right on the top in the middle of the bag. Really doesn't make any sense to me because now stretching, you can't stretch to its fullest like last night because your foot is stationary in the middle of the bag. Instead of running over and putting both feet in front of the bag and then sort of you're adjusting to where the throw is going and that way you can get straight as far out as you could possibly be stretched because your foot's not already on the bag. All that said, that was not the big play of the inning. It was too. Although it's what we've talked about when you, you know, you've, you've got to make, with this bullpen, the balls are going to be in play. 
most of the time. More so, so you, too. You got them. You got them. They're make, not scoring any runs either, and they're not scoring any. Well, right. You don't want to give away outs. All every cliche you can run it out there. I want to talk about the uh, again a play involving Bla- uh, Vladdy. Same inning, runners in the corners. Jose Trevino hits a ball to Vladdy. Now there was uh, Isaiah Kiner Falafa's on first base. He ain't Falafa. slow. What? Falafa. Falafa. What did I say? Kiner. Whatever. I don't know what you said. Anyhow, he was on Falefa. <laughs> he was on first base. He ain't slow. I My first reaction when I saw that play is, okay, maybe Vladdy has a shot at going to second base. If you look at it, it no. he's It makes, makes the right decision going home. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we saw the rundown. Goes to Kirk. Kirk to Chapman. Chapman to Vladdy. Vladdy tries to put the tag on. Oh. Uh, he was out. He was out. Marwin Gonzalez was out. Vladdy tags him. He's out. Home plate umpire Ron Culpa misses it. Goes to the third base umpire. He's no better. He missed it. And the Jays had already used a challenge. So the run scores. And there's a great shot. There's a great shot of uh, Glaber Torres and Marwin Gonzalez yucking it up in the dugout as they're looking at the replay of the thing. And Torres mm-hmm. is, you know, dancing. Um, you sure Gonzalez didn't say, look at all the throws I made him. Yeah. Let's talk about that play, first of all. So let, let's break it down. The ball's hit to Vladdy. Vladdy makes the right decision, I think we agree. Vladdy's going to go home. Okay. Vladdy throws home, right? Okay. That, that's the right okay, decision? Let's, let's, let's think about this for a second. Every, every, I'll say this, and I continue to say it. Everything that you do on a baseball field is determined by what the scoreboard is telling you and what you're doing as a team. You're facing a really good team. You're down 3-1. to one. You're not scoring any runs. Let's be honest. Like mm-hmm. big times, big spots, runners in scoring position, you're the worst team in baseball. You can say that. And they now. are right Average-wise, you are the worst team in baseball. By the way, Hunter Mintz, their assistant hitting coach, will join us today. Well, we'll ask him. Well, it, it can, can you do things off the field to make and a remarkable, better? A remarkable runners? display of timing on the part of Blair and Barker. You do what you have Anyhow, to. Anyhow, sorry, go you ahead. Do, you do what you have to. For me, it's a lot about communication. When you're playing first base and you're holding the runner on and that scoreboard tells you that you're trying to cut that runner off at third base, you don't want them to score another run. Right. Your team's not good at scoring runs right now. You want to keep it a two-run deficit. You want to cut that run down. So communication is key. If I'm holding a runner on, decent runner at first, decent runner at third, I'm going, hey, shortstop, Bo. Hit hard to me, right-handed hitter. I'm coming to you because if it's hit hard, I can turn that a little right. quicker. That means that tells Bo creep a little closer to second base, makes the throw easier for me. I'm not trying to lead you. You can return the throw to me a little bit easier. I'm not moving around so much. Everything right. will, will work a little bit. That tells Bo what he has to do before the play actually happens. Yells into Kirk, says ball sits slowly to me. I'm coming to you. We're trying to cut that runner down. Kirk says to him. Oh, now what do I do when I catch the baseball? I want to keep that guy at third base. I don't want him coming back. So he already knows before the play actually happens. Okay, just back it up for a minute. Okay, so sorry. That's fine. I'm sorry. Continue. I thought thought you were getting directly to what Kirk did. So Bo... Yeah. Bo is not getting to the bag it's about, fast it's about enough. Q, it's about communication. Right. The, but, ball, the ball wasn't hit hard enough. He's not going there. Bo's Vladdy, not. Vladdy so Vladdy's got no play, play, the, no play at second no, base. No, the communication okay. factor is key there because it tells you before it actually happens where you need to be. And if I'm a defender, I'm Alejandro Kirk, I'm thinking to myself, if I get a ball from Vladdy, a decent runner at third, what am I doing with it? 
Am I lollygagging gonna, like I did yes last night, or am I going to run this guy as hard as I can possibly run him back to third base because I don't want me to throw it and him end up coming back towards home plate? I'm trying to keep him at the very least at third base. And limit the number I of throws. I want to get the out. You want to limit the One number throw. of throws. Right. One throw. That is run down 101. It is the simplest thing ever. The easiest thing you do – the only thing you're thinking is when you receive a ball from the defender and you're running that guy back is to set the angle. I'm right-handed, Alejandro Kirk. I want to get in fair territory. That eliminates the runner, so when I throw it, I'm not hitting him. It opens the lane up to the third baseman and makes my throw a little bit easier. Second thing I, I don't want to do is I don't want to lollygag. Like he did. And Marwin he's, Gonzalez kind of faked and stopped and backpedaled. Forget and, about right. all the things he's doing. Don't pay any attention to him. You're running him as hard as you can possibly run him. Forget about the backpedaling and the stopping and starting. Uh, who cares what he does? If you put your head down and run right at him as hard as you can, it gets his momentum going towards the third baseman right. where it makes it impossible for him to stick his foot in the ground, turn around, and run as fast as he can towards home plate. That's why you do that. That's the whole point in that is you want to do it in one throw. Kirk, on the other hand, did that just the opposite. He's lollygagging. He's weaving in and out. He's pump faking. The ball, which if I'm receiving the ball and I'm Matt Chapman, I'm thinking the eyes are getting bigger because I really don't know when I'm going to get the ball. It just, all the things that you're thinking and trying and should be doing as a good team when it comes to rundowns, they basically threw that out the window just because of one guy. It, it's not a hard thing. It's things that high school kids should be able to do when it comes to rundowns. That's the only thing you think of. It's not rocket science. Hold the ball in the air. Run as hard as you can possibly run. You don't have to be a fast runner to be good at rundowns. You got to be aggressive. You got to be smart. Don't even pay any attention to how fast Gonzalez or anybody that's running. You can have the fastest guy on the planet. Even more reason to get him running is, you know, momentum-wise towards the third base bag. So it makes it impossible when the third baseman does catch the ball for that guy to stick his foot in the ground and outrun the third baseman. That's the whole point in doing that. And, you get more people involved. You get their merry-go-round right. started going, and Vladdy's weaving in and out, and the ball's all over the place, and then you see exactly what happens. You get the umpire involved, and normally when you get the umpire involved... You want to eliminate the umpire as often as you, you can. Sure, you sure do. It, yeah. is, it is the simplest thing that turned into a, to a very bad situation. They didn't lose the game because of that. They're losing the games because the the approaches with runners in scoring right. position... But that, that summed up the great. night. It, the sloppy defense, bad decision-making. It did. The bow error, the top of your throw from right field because Hicks is faking going to second base. And you're, then you're Kirk. You're down five or six runs. And I know side. this This really stuck. Well, it's stuck in our, both of us, it's stuck in our craw. Kirk getting picked off first base in the seventh inning. You're down a bazillion runs. You know, and you made the point. You would have... I was shocked. You would have benched him out of the game. Absolutely. Not well, not benched him. No, but you would have taken him out of the game. Absolutely. You're down six runs with a lefty on the mound. And you're where are you going? (laughs) You're the slowest dude on planet Earth. You're down by six runs. The only way you're scoring from first is a home run. Home run. (laughs) Where are you going? Like there's no there's no excuse for that. Like it's the outfielders would have to run into each other. The the infielder would have to run out and pick up the ball for him to be scoring from first base other than a home run. I just, it doesn't, when you're on a really good team and you are a 
complimentary player. Alejandro Kirk is not an aircraft carrier. He ain't carrying this team. I'm sorry, he's not doing that. Even the bat-to-ball skills that everybody raves about that we haven't really seen so far. He ain't carrying that team. So the little things he that he needs to do. He did get his first extra base the, hit of the year last night. <laughs> yeah, time. I did see. The little things, the rundowns, not being picked off, mm-hmm. little things that can help this team win games, he has to do. And just, you know, it's it sort of looks bad when he doesn't do it. 9-1 was the final score last night. The Yankees have won 11 in a row. It is the first two-game losing streak for the Jays. It will be the first series they lose this year. You say Kikuchi's on the mound for them tonight at the Rogers Center. Then it's off to Cleveland to play the Guardians. The good news is Teoscar Hernandez is expected to join the team in Cleveland. He homered last night in his first at-bat uh, at Dunedin. Good news as well. <coughs> Pardon me, according to Ross Atkins yesterday, I had a chat with him according to Ross Atkins. Danny Jansen is about a week behind Oscar Hernandez, so whether that means it's a week before Danny goes out on rehab or whether or not we can expect to see Danny with the team uh, with the team next week, that's good news at least. It, it seems as if you're going to have Danny Jansen back middle of the month uh, at the very, very latest, which is, you know, for this for this team is good news uh, because I think what we're seeing with runners in scoring position, I'm not saying Danny Jansen's going to cure everything, but Teoscar Hernandez might. So the Jays are getting some uh, some of their players back. That 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 messiness in the what did I say? That messiness in the seventh inning. Yeah. Um, aside, I also want to talk about Alec Manoa and Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge hit a monstrous home run last night off of Alec Manoa. He also had a double. But he was 0 for 9, I believe, coming into the game against Alec Manoa. Strikes out his first two appearances, both of them six-pitch appearances. His home run comes in an eight-hit appearance. Kevin, I want to just, I'm going to briefly run through the pitching breakdown here because I want you to talk about this because this is, this is a great, you got a great young starting pitcher. You got a six-foot-six starting pitcher and a six-foot-eight dude at home plate. First at bat was six innings. 97-mile-an-hour two-seamer for called strike. 94-mile-an-hour two-seamer for ball. 95-four-seamer ball. 95-four-seamer fouled off. 95-four-seamer for a ball. Strikes him out in an 82 slider. Second at bat. Two-seamer, 98 taken for a strike. 81 for a ball, two-seamer. 96-mile-an-hour four-seamer for a ball. A pair of sliders. Then he strikes him out in a 96-mile four-seamer. This is where it got interesting. The sixth inning when he hits his home run. 95-mile-an-hour two-seamer taken for a strike. 96-mile-an-hour four-seamer fouled off. 96-mile-an-hour four-seamer fouled off. 97-mile-an-hour four-seamer fouled off. 82 slider, 83 slider, 82 slider, home run on a 96-mile-an-hour four-seamer. Talk to me about that at bat. Three sliders in a row. First of all, who are we to to you know second guess? No, Alec no, 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 but, yeah, that's what I. And, but and, I'm asking you about pitch um, about that and all bat. those things. But but if you really wanted to to think of of what he's trying to think of there, for, for me it would be after the O2 pitch. He's late on the heater. He takes the first one. He's late on the second one. 
Uh, Kirk gives the the slider away, he shakes that off. He gives fastball away, he shakes that off. He gives the fastball up and in, he like that. He wanted mm-hmm. mono and mono kind of thing. Like he knows that's his last inning. He knows that you know and that's it's, his, his. It's, it's one. It's one nothing. Call. It's me against you. Yep. I'm gonna live and die. I've had a. I've had a really good heater. The velos there. The velos there. I feel all, good. All those things. I'd love to see him throw the slider. If he starts that thing one to seven, the horizontal break, he's out. Well, I, I would have loved to have seen that. Look at but, how overmatched he was that first at bat. The yeah, slider. but again, shouldn't judge, say overmatched. Judge, judge is different when it comes to the more he sees pitches, the better chance it's going to give him a timing that up and guess along. He's a good guesser. You could see he's he goes to certain at bats looking for pitches, looking for certain hunting certain pitches. You get in the middle of the order. Occasionally, you got to do that against mm-hmm. a good pitcher. You're selling out. He gets me. He rings me up on three heaters down the middle. I tip my hat because I'm looking for something else because I have to mm-hmm. because of what name. Obviously, they don't have names on their back, but you get the point. It's yeah. Aaron Judge. Occasionally, you have to do that. Th- then he has the foul at 96. He's a little late. Then he gets the 97 <clears throat> right down the middle. He got away with one. That mm-hmm. that That's it. But the point is that he's seen five heaters in a row. I think yep. one, of, one of them was a two-seamer. That's a 94. Yep. Looked more like a four-seamer to me. Didn't two-seam a whole lot. And then he gets the heavy dose. Of the three, the three sliders in a row. The first <laughs> slider that he took, everybody 0-2 was thinking, how did he take it? Me, occasionally Manoa will get on top of the slider. It's more 12-6 break. If you Instead notice, of one to seven. If you notice the, the, the one that he took and everybody's like, wow, why did he take it? It looked like it had more 12-6 break. That, for me, is easy to see out of the hand. It's probably coming up higher mm-hmm. when it leaves his hand. Other than the three-quarter arm slot that he has, the deception that he has, that's why it's going, you know, short arms it a little bit. He had alligator arms, his glove side, when he yanks it and he really wants to get that side movement on his slider, that's the one pitch. If he if he throws that, the one to seven, he's out right there. So that's too different if you really wanted to pick at that. Again, this is impossible. The the, the start yeah. that Alec Manoa's had. Oh, and uh, but, no, 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 it's not a matter. It's, it's not a matter of a blame game, but it's a matter of looking at those those at bats because that those at bats are. It, it if you're is a baseball fan. That's all you're that's what doing. You see. All you're doing with all of these pitches, you get him 0-2, and then he gets the three fastballs in a row, and then the fifth one is the 12-6. At least it looked to me like instead of the one to seven, and then he threw two non-competitive sliders in a row. All that's given Judge is information right. and now he's a guesser he is an, a very good educated guesser all those home runs he's hitting are not accident he's got a really good game plan he's another guy that flips that ipad over there thinking okay got me out with this the next time i go to the plate i'm gonna look for this now the one he hit out if he goes in with that and he locates that it's a jam shot to right field he's out uh, yeah but he missed his spot by say three inches and that's all it takes to a guy like that so yeah, it's it's one of those at bats that fan. If you're a fan of baseball, forget about being fans of the Blue Jays, fans of the Yankees. If you're a fan of baseball, that's must watch TV. You could see a guy that's at the end of his day in Alec Manoa and Aaron Judge, who's one of the best hitters in baseball at the peak of who he's trying to be. The city turned down thirty one and a half big ones yeah. a year. He's on a mission. You can see it. Everything that goes into it, the quiet. <clears throat> mechanics that he has his mechanics look a lot different to me he looks more straight up and down now which has leveled his swing out and i know he's an inside out guy and trying to use that little short porch and right to his advantage but at least it looks to me like he when he finishes his swing he's a little bit more straight up and down maybe more a little bit more on purpose but you gotta you gotta like 
one guy on the mound who's at the end, one guy's at the peak thinking along and thinking, if you just miss a little and I can stick around and lay off that nasty slider, which those two non-competitive sliders after the 12-6 the when they laid off of, that got him back into the count. The two non-competitive ones, he choked them off, maybe tried to do too much, make it break too much, maybe trying to aim it too which is sort of what he was doing in the first inning. He was aiming the heat of the two-seamer. Okay, I make sure I got to get it in there. If I miss, it's in off the plate. I don't want to miss on the plate. Maybe he's aiming those two. But, man, that's – Alec Manoa, what... how can it get better? That, that's I, I know sometimes he'll leave a ball out of a play against the lefty. Change-up's not great. Change of speed. I, I was going to say – How does that, he get better? I like, was going to say if that, if that change-up ends up developing, that's – that Basketball to me command is, sounds like one of the things that him and Pete have, have really, you know, when, when they were going through the lockout and what do you work on, mechanically figure out how to locate in and out and elevate with two strikes with the heater. Okay, you can dominate people just because of deception, how giant you are in the arm slot against righties. That two-seamer can dominate them. And then you feed that slider off that two-seamer with that fastball command, and then you take it to the whole never next level of – what if he does get better arm speed, better location, better sync, and better mile per hour difference in the changeup? Now, now, now what? Oof. Runners in scoring position, your Toronto Blue Jays, Mr. Barker, are now dead last in the in Major League Baseball with runners in scoring position with a 168 average. They're behind Arizona. They're behind a bunch of teams we don't even talk about. Their OPS with runners in scoring position is 534 also the worst in the major leagues. Now, yes, the return of Teoscar Hernandez and the impact that is going to have in the batting order will make a difference. Not going to hurt. It's not the only thing that has to happen, though, is it? No. Springer has to be better. Bo has to be better. Vladdy has to be better. Lourdes has to be better. Matt Chapman has to be a lot better. He's going to get a lot of chances. You figure, Teoscar, you look at the one guy in that lineup, when everything comes to a head if the one guy matt chapman will be the guy that when you know vladdy's red hot he's getting on base uh teoscar's red hot he's getting on base you bring that one guy to the plate maybe hitting six or seven matt chapman he's gonna really have to hone up and maybe try to use the other side of the field there's no question on how they're trying to get him out it's not rocket science you see how hard they hit the baseball right-handed hitter all the guys on the left side of the infield, so I'm looking at the pitcher. Left side of second base, how hard Vladdy, that ball he hit, the 98-mile-an-hour mm-hmm. ball off of Castro that went in the left center field. It was like 100 and almost 17 miles an hour. Yep. Okay, flip that to the other side of second base, how hard does he hit it? He don't hit it that hard. The book's out. And until these guys figure out how to, instead, instead of getting the ball, the bat Barker's got here, a bat if you're, if you're on the radio. I'm, I'm a little scared. Getting the bat. Parker's Late instead of out front, yeah. the ball away. You really have to think about getting the bat, the bat head. Sorry about that. Get a little excited sometimes. I things start flying all over the place. The barrel is you're hitting against the firm front side. The ball away, you can't let that ball travel. If you do, it looks like Vladdy's looking right now, where you hit the ball over the first base dugout. Velocities, right-handed throwers, crossfire. That's why lefties, they always say lefties have trouble against lefties. Not because we don't face them. That helps a little. It's the taking the ball the other way. Letting the ball travel enough, having good enough mechanics that with my lower half, I can get the barrel to 
my inside of my front leg with a firm front side. That's what you're seeing with the right-handed hitters now. They have the bent front knee. The barrel is too far in the middle of their body, and when they hit the ball, it's either a rollover or the duck fart to right center field, or it's a foul ball. They're behind in the count. So for me, I, the obvious thing would be don't stand so far off the plate. You know what they're trying to do. It's not, it's not right. Like, you don't take a, 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 a khaki to have to walk up to you and go, hey, Jeff, with runners in scoring position, you know what they're doing? It's fastball away. It's elevated fastball away, and it's the spin starting out of third and end up off the plate. What's going to be your adjustment? You're going to continue to stand where you're standing? You're going to continue to, to not have enough plate coverage to let be able to let the ball travel and hit that thing to right center? Because until they start consistently, Springer, Vladdy, Springer not so much because he does – he's enough on the plate that he's going to hammer some baseball. Sometimes he just overswings. But the other righties. What did well? What did what did Bill Ripken tell us when we were talking about things Cal used to do when he was scuffling? He would move around in the box, creates and, a different angle for your barrel. And what it does, but it it is kind of amazing, guys. And guys used to do that. I mean, our friend Moise Alou. Moise Moise was great. If you threw inside him, you know what he was doing? He was moving closer to the plate. Mm-hmm. Like he would he would he would move around a lot. Uh, in the batter's box, why don't why don't more guys do that more? Or maybe they do, and we just we just don't notice it. I well, I think we'd notice. It, it would be an obvious thing because they stand so far back in the batter's box. They're standing far in the batter's box now because of velocity. They're trying to catch up to that to try and you know they think because they're closer to the pitcher, they have less time to recognize velocity mechanically be sound enough to get barrel out in front. Everything now has to get out in front. Velocity's killed direction. I've told you this mm-hmm. for years, mm-hmm. that that's what Velocity's done. It's no longer about, okay, runner on second base, I'm trying to get him out. <laughs> I'm trying to play pepper with the baseball. How do I do that? And how do I put myself mechanically in the best position to allow my hands to have a good enough path that the barrel's going to travel and be able to get firm front side to be able to drive the baseball not the entire field. That's not – you can't do – the pitching's too good now. Mm-hmm. But at least right center to the left field line. How do I use that part of the field? And where they're standing in the batter's box, even if they take their, their bat, stick it to their belly button, drop their bat, the barrel's not going to cover the entire plate. And if that being said, you walk to the plate, and I'm a pitcher, and I see you standing where you're standing, where's the first thing I'm going to throw you? I don't have to make a great pitch. Because I don't think you can cover that. I don't think you can consistently stay inside a baseball, be mechanically sound enough, and be able to drive that just by where you're standing at the plate. And that, for me, is the one little thing. They're good enough hitters. Like, they do good enough things. They can hit velocity. They're decent enough on breaking balls. Now, for me, it's just they've adjusted. The league is making you make the adjustment. And right now, so far, you're last. you got no lower to go. You would think right now would be the best time to try something different. Shout out, by the way, to uh, Dusty Baker. 2,000 career wins. And uh, they're just showing a little montage on MLB Network. of Greatest manager I've ever had, and I've had a ton of them. It's not even close either. Talked a lot about 19 years as a player, 25 years as a manager. Still got a 534 winning percentage. AL champion, NL champion, three-time manager of the year. But as a manager, he doesn't have the one thing he got as a player. And that is, maybe this year. Maybe. It'll be Nestor Cortez on the mound for the New York Yankees tonight against, you say, Kikuchi. A 
that after that, the Jays will go on to Cleveland. They'll start a lengthy road trip uh, with uh, games in Cleveland. Then they go to Yankee Stadium. Then it's on to Tampa. They get their first taste of the Rays. Hunter Mintz is assistant hitting coach and minor league hitting coordinator with the Blue Jays. He'll join us next. This is Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, The Fan 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Stephen Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Five ninety five ninety is the text line. Sweeney Murdy, New York Yankees reporter with WFAN, joins us at eleven ten. Get a little bit of a scouting report on Nestor Cortez. Nicky Hater, get it ready. He's funky. I like watching him pitch. A little bit of the stash and everything going. Kind of like uh, Nestor Cortez. I re- I remember when <clears throat> no no way you'd bring a lefty in here to face Blue Jays lineup. Well. And now you're working right through them. Um, before the break, we talked about the Jays' numbers with with runners in scoring position, the batting average with runners in scoring position, the OPS with runners in scoring position, and we also, you know, made the point that any I feel that any time I talk about the Jays' offense, you do have to put the caveat in there that Teoscar Hernandez isn't in the lineup. Danny Johnson, Danny Jansen is not there either. And Danny Jansen had, a, had looked like he was off to a pretty good start to the year, but it, it's the old story. When a guy is out of the lineup, everybody moves up or moves down a slot. And, um, so I, you know, I'm before I kind of draw broad, but draw a broad picture of the Jays hitting, I, I want to see this team with, with Teoscar back before I come to any conclusions, but you know, look offense in general, is down in baseball. We talked about this with Jason Stark. Pick a reason, the humidor, uh, the ball, um, a- any number of reasons. You know, the fact that spring training was abnormal this year because of the lockout. I mean, you know, you know all the, the reasons that, or the theories that some people have. Uh, Hunter Mentz is assistant hitting coach and minor league hitting coordinator with the Toronto Blue Jays. He joins us on Blair and Barker. Hunter, good to talk to you again. Thanks for your time. I, I was thinking about this <clears throat> yesterday, actually, when I was at the ballpark, and I, I'm wondering when the when offense is down in general around the game for all the reasons we talked about. Do players who might be scuffling or going through a hard time, Hunter, will they will they look at it and go, "Yeah, I wish my numbers were better," but man, I look around and there's 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 a lot of guys hitting like 240, 250 right now. There's there's a lot of stuff going on offensively. So you know, it, it maybe maybe I kind of need to to adjust my my sights a little bit here. Do guys think that way, or is it just so? I want to be as good as I can be. That what's happening around the league doesn't necessarily matter. Yeah. First off, thanks for having me, guys. But I, I think. I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's it's the human nature um, as human beings to want to compare ourselves to other people. I mean, I think we as hitting coaches do it with the other teams in the league, and I think it's natural for anybody who is in a game where there's so many numbers that are attached to it to naturally just kind of compare themselves and, and try and find some comfort in, in something. Um, but at the end of the day, 
like these guys, and we have a lot of guys on our team who have been really successful throughout their careers, and you don't really get to that point um, outside of just being super competitive and trying to be the best hitter and best version of yourself that you can be. So it's probably a little bit of a combination of both of those things, but there is some comfort kind of when you look around, but there's also comfort knowing that we've been really successful early on wins and losses wise, mm-hmm. and we haven't even come close to hitting our stride yet. So there's some comfort knowing that. And I think there's comfort in the dugout and there's, there's in the cages as well, where there's zero sense of panic and everybody knows that it'll turn. Do analytics make it a little easier because, you know, for example, uh, I, I could be Bo Bichette. My average isn't where I want to be, but I know that I'm barreling up balls. I know that I'm, you know, I'm hitting balls hard. Uh, and if I do that over the course of the year, my numbers will probably be where they need to be. It, it seems to me that it would be easier to 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 spin a to put a positive spin on something for a hitter now because you've got a lot of numbers, right? It's not just batting average, home runs, and RBIs, and oh my God, I'm I'm over thirty. Well, no, you're you in that over thirty or over twenty, whatever it is in that run, you've hit four balls that are really good exit velo, and in another month, those balls will be falling in. Does that? Does that work a little yeah. bit? 100%. And I think that's part of our job as coaches, too, to, to find those positive things. Hitting is such a challenging thing as it is, and, and nowadays it's even more challenging than it ever has been. And, and the analytics and the numbers, if used right, we can find and parse out any sort of positive. And in, a, in something that can be so negative, trying to find any sort of positives in those moments is huge. And, I, I mean, we can – Bo's a great example of, of him squaring up a ton of balls and just not having any luck. Taffy is another one who is batting FX line of, of what's being put out there and, and the actual numbers of what's being put out there don't even match up. So mm-hmm. he's doing a lot better than what the actual numbers that pop up on the scoreboard would suggest. And we have, we have a few of those guys that are kind of like that. And, and the underlying stuff too is like another one that kind of pops out to me that, has been really cool to see is Gurriel and his pitch selection. He's been the best he's ever been in his career with that. And that's one of those small little victories that you're able to point out to guys, even when the overall numbers aren't great. And you'd like to think that if you just kind of keep going on that same path and, and you're always as a competitor going to change some things here and there, but you kind of keep going on the same path and keep the positive momentum going. Eventually it starts to fall your way. And, I mean, there's been numerous balls hit throughout the course of the year early on where off the bat you're watching guys run out of the box or kind of start jogging about out of the box thinking it's going to get down or, or going to go over the fence and it ends up getting caught or somebody makes a great play. And, and it's just how baseball goes. It's just how hitting goes. And you know, once some of that stuff starts to turn around and our guys start to feel better about themselves because they're starting to see balls drop, <laughs> it, mm-hmm. it starts to fester within the, within the clubhouse, within the cage. Hunter, excuse me, explain to me what, with runners in scoring position, all, all the things I was listening to you talk there, and I, I just could picture myself, you know, that's okay w- with nobody on base, and I'm walking there, and you can tell me that I'm hitting this ball hard, and I'm laying off that breaking ball. But with runners in scoring position, that's such a, you know, a obvious step. You either get it done or you don't, right? It's it's one of those where yeah. you're either getting the blue pit to right center off a really tough breaking ball with two strikes or you're not. How do you stay positive? Or is they is there a positive 
stat or a, a or something that you could continue yeah. to tell a team because they're last in baseball. I don't need to tell you where where the Blue, Jay, Blue Jays are with runners in scoring position. How do you stay positive as a coach? What are you trying to tell these guys during this up and down? Well, the the good part about it is to to not be great at scoring position means that you're getting at least a lot of guys in scoring position. I was I was looking at a a, a stat that. I think it was most runners left on in scoring position to end innings and we're towards the top of that, which means that's just a bulk number. So that means that we're getting at least a lot of guys in scoring position. We just haven't cashed them in yet. And and the really challenging thing to kind of figure out and kind of, I guess, start to pick apart why it doesn't happen or why there isn't as much success as you'd like is it's not always like a team thing as to why a certain team isn't successful or why a team is successful. A lot of times there are individual things that go into it as well. And, and, and it's really hard to kind of either one, pick the brains or pick the numbers out and try and figure out what it is. And uh, the old adage has always been the guys that are really good with scoring and guys with scoring position are usually just the better hitters overall. And there's some truth to that, but there's also some truth to guys up their level when there's a guy in scoring position because it feels a little bit more like a pressure situation and when the game starts to get bigger than what it feels like then they don't go outside of themselves and they're able to use the whole field to their advantage and um, I, I think I think honestly what happens a lot of times when a team is struggling offensively is you you work so hard to get guys up in the scoring position and then everybody kind of feels and senses that the team isn't scoring a ton of runs in the offense hasn't been what it has been in the past. And then there's a lot of pressure and a lot more extra added pressure that starts being piled up and put on guys. And, and you start seeing if that's not as good as what you previously have seen. And so it's just one of those things where I, I honestly think we have, we score, we have a game where we score 10, 12 runs, something along those lines. And, and that the top just gets ripped off and, and everything kind of starts falling in place a little bit more, but, it's it's something I think that everybody is kind of aware of, and and nobody's running from it, and nobody's hiding from it. And it's we're having conversations as to what do really good teams do, what do really good players do in those situations, and and what makes them successful. And I think the the one guy that's been really good at it when he comes up early on in the year is Ben Espinal. It it seems like in big situations with a guy in scoring position, he's able to drive runs home. You saw it early on when he pinch hitting early on against Texas and then he had a big RBI the other night to put us ahead and he comes up in those situations a lot and is able to drive home some of those runs. So um, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it and it's it's always fun and good conversations with guys. You know, you mentioned Espinal, and I was going to ask you about, we've, we've made a lot and we've spoken a lot about how he showed up in spring training this year bigger stronger how has that translated into what he has done at the plate in terms of his swing i think it's 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 allowed him to know that if he puts his best swing on a ball the strength that he now has is going to hit a ball over somebody's head or hit a ball over the fence where i think in the past if it was the best swing that he took and he squared it up as best as he could um, he would really have to get into something to hit something over somebody's head or hit it over the wall. So I think there's comfort in that. And, and through that, there's, there's some confidence that he then walks to the plate with, with knowing that he can take some chances on pitches. Um, and so before two strikes, I think he's been tremendous at taking those chances. And 
Um, and he'll be the first to tell you too, like there's a lot of stuff that he still wants to get done and he mm-hmm. and that he really did last year that he wants to kind of get back to. And cause he didn't, I don't know if he struck out hardly at all last year. It was very, very low numbers. And, and when you start to get some power, you start to tap into stuff, you start continuing to take chances and, and wanting to drive balls out of the yard or drive balls over guys' heads. And now he's learning to kind of filter that approach with a mixture of what he's able to do this year with what made him really good last year, too. And it's cool to watch these guys work. It's, it's one of my favorite parts of, of the job is, like, the recognition, their own recognition without even us mentioning anything and seeing it. They're so competitive and the best in the world at what they do and seeing where they're struggling and understanding where they're struggling and knowing how to work at those things, too. Well, when, whenever I watch the games, it seems like the the right-handed pitchers who are facing these really good right-handed hitters, at least in the middle of the order, all the obvious names, looks like they're trying to get them out of way, maybe trying to get them to go the other way. <clears throat> and my question for you is, as a as a hitting coach, what does it take for a player to say, okay, now I got to make an adjustment, whether it's moving the batter's box, whether it's hunt something to create a different angle in my barrel. What, what would it take for that hitter to go, enough's enough, now I got to make a change? That's a great question. Um, it, it's different for everybody. Um, and, and it's different for everybody based upon how much they can cover within the strike zone, too. Some guys, they can't cover as much, so their adjustments are going to have to be a lot sooner. And some guys can cover a little bit more, so they'll wait guys out and wait for them to come back in the middle of the plate and get them. So it's, it's completely different for everybody, but honestly, the competitor inside of all these guys is going to determine that timeline too. And, and the guy that's getting consistent bats and is getting out a certain way, it might take them two games before they realize, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to stand for this anymore. I'll make my adjustment here and I'm going to start taking away the outer half. And once I do that, then they're going to have to make an adjustment off me and, Hitting has always been that way. It'll always be the, the reactionary thing that we're doing, and there's new pitches that are being thrown, and there's guys getting used to those new pitches that are being thrown. And uh, So it's, it's really cool to kind of see the cat-and-mouth game, um, and I think it's always why you see offenses start off slow because they're, they're having to figure out how to make adjustments to these guys as we go. And, and we were looking at numbers yesterday, and through the first, I think, 24 games we have, in comparison to last year, the OPS is better. The average is better. So there's like some really encouraging things that it doesn't feel like it because the season <laughs> and the team finished so strong last year offensively. Um, and last year, I mean, you could say that George wasn't with us to start the year. And then this year, Taylor wasn't with us to start the year. So it's kind of at an even point. So it's, it's really cool to see. And, and when you have dudes that are competitive, they will make changes. I promise you they will make changes because they, there's nobody at this level that, that likes to continue to get beat and continue to get beat the same way. So you'll see it, and and you'll see it with – there's sometimes very subtle changes that you can't quite see or the the fan that's sitting up in the third deck can't see, but you can absolutely see it whenever you end it with them every day, and they can absolutely feel it when they get in the box. Hunter, it's the last one before we let you go. Uh, <clears throat> whenever I played, the, the adjustment was, okay, if a guy's throwing me away, I'm going to scoot closer to the plate. And then you start thinking about today's age, uh, how hard these guys throw, and what importance they, they you know throw in the tunneling of the secondary pitches. And my question to you is, from what you've noticed, is that moving in the batter's box a tough adjustment for a hitter in, in 2022? Yeah, it's it's tough, but I don't know if it's as – they're willing to do it. Um, they're willing to do it more than 
I think I would have initially been as a hitter. Mm-hmm. Um, just you have so many guys that get stuck in one spot and they want to stay in one spot. But again, like if if a, if a dude is beating you, your right hand hitter, and a dude's beating you on sliders down and away um, that you either keep chasing or you can't touch, and you're running out of barrel or fastballs that are away. It's not going to take a whole lot of time before a guy realizes, like, okay, maybe I'm just going to move up on the plate. Because those are, honestly, those are, there, there's all sorts of adjustments and changes that a guy makes throughout the year. And the easy ones that you can make are just changes in the setup or changes in where you're standing. Because you don't have to think about anything else outside of that. And the tougher changes are if you're trying to change a bat path, um, you're trying to change uh, where your hands are at, you're trying to change where you're striding, you're trying to change a lot of that stuff that sometimes is the undercarriage of the swing. If you're just able to change kind of where you stand or how you stand in the box, a lot of times those are the easiest changes. You just get in there, do it, and then you kind of check that box, and then you just go into compete mode with everything else and, and kind of let the competitor in you take over. So um, I, I think there – it, it happens more than I think what people believe or what people think. And it happens from sometimes in pitch to pitch and you'll see a, a guy who um, takes one swing on a pitch on a, on a fastball away and runs out of barrel. And in that moment, they're like, man, I, I did not see that. Well, I'm going to need to cover that a little bit more. So let me get up on the plate. And um, I, I I've seen it this year where a guy backed off the plate because the guy was pounding him in and he started looking for a pitch in, the next pitch he hit a home run. So you see it on pitch to pitch, you see it at bat to bat, and I'm telling you, like, the competitor within all these guys, they they try and figure out ways to get it done. It's cool. Hunter, really good of you to join us today. Thanks so much, man. That's great stuff. Thank you. Of course. You you bet. I'll Take care. You all righty. That is Hunter Mance, assistant hitting coach and minor league hitting coordinator with the Blue Jays. This is a real good discussion, Bark. That's what I like when you got guys who played the game that can ask the questions because you've had to make those adjustments. I have. It, it's it's the the in it bat adjustment of moving on the play. That's tough. Like that that takes guts because you get a good catcher will peek and notice. If you've noticed every time a good catcher, not good catcher. I'm not saying the. I no offense to Alejandro Kirks. I know but what you're I'm talking say, about guys that've been around <laughs> Martin forever. Maldonado. That get it. Like yeah. just understand. Will peek like uh you know takes a swing breaking ball and then the very next time you see he's moved a toe hole. He's closer to the plate now. All of a sudden you're thinking, okay, now I, we were we were wanting to go away with a slider curveball whatever. Now we're going to go up and in. You got to be careful with that. Like you got to be in tune with who you are and understand who's behind the plate. You told me a, a story about facing Kevin Brown. You fouled the ball off, loud foul off him, and you knew that he was going to buzz my tower. Buzz your tower. Yeah, yeah. What will a pitcher's reaction be now, if if in the middle of an at bat somebody? crouches in more does that I'm, I'm not talking about the the pitcher catcher relationship but i'm saying a pitcher are you looking at that and going oh okay <laughs> you want to move closer Mac, to the Mac plate Scherzer, me... max scherzer wouldn't put you on your fanny uh alec manoa put, put you put on your, your fanny. fanny yeah uh you say kikuchi would probably wouldn't notice that's the difference like yeah. there, there there's that <clears throat> in in game battles where ooh, i know what you just did i know what you're trying to do i don't like that no, you're not going to do that. This is my plate. This is my mound. This is my batch. You ain't going to do that. But that's what I said. Hunter was trying to tell you that they've already done that. Yeah. Like, you know, we've had text, people text in and callers. Why aren't they moving on the plate? And it's that little movement. It's that, you know, one at bat you're standing here, the next at bat you're doing that. It's very discreet. It's very, 
and maybe it's just right now the pitching's a lot better than the hitting, and they're just not making enough contact and, and not swinging good enough pitches. If you're interested, the Blue Jays average right now with runners in scoring position through 25 games, which is 168, is far and away the worst in franchise history. 2013 was 190. 2017 was a buck 98. 1998 was 2013. I'm just throwing this out. 2021 was 215. So 215 is better than 168, but 215 is still 215. So maybe, Kevin, could it be that this is this core group of players? Could you have some guys that are slow starters? Uh, well, Hunter mentioned, too, and what we've said. We've been saying this, that it's very individual. It's when the guys are hot at the bottom of the order who flip it around to the top of the order. Bo's been struggling, comes up with runners on base, runners in scoring position, chasing a lot, not barreling up baseballs the way he expects to be barreling them up, not getting hits. That's where those numbers come from. Right. Matt Chapman's a chaser, don't like the elevated fastball, Quite frankly, he's not a great hitter. He's a power hitter, but not a great hitter. He's, he's not going to zone up. Talk about this. He's, we're going to get you want home runs and doubles from there. Him. It is, but you're you're wanting those quality at bats when it matters the most. I like that double one for four with that runner standing on second. I don't care if he hits a double with nobody on base. I don't want that. Yep. So it's he he threw that in there on purpose, yep. and you can tell the way they're answering these questions that they've done their homework so much about how breaking these down, the conversations they're having, it's more individual than it is team-wide. Right. And how do you get certain individuals in certain parts of the lineup? That's why you see Chapman moving around the order so much. One day you see him hitting cleanup. Next day you see him hitting fifth. Next day you hit, see him hitting seventh. I think a lot of that depends on who they're facing and who's hot hitting in front of them. So when the lineup turns around... Who's going to come up when it matters the most? And that's why you're sort of seeing the toppies of the world when he was three for four, four mm -hmm. for five, whatever that day was, hitting cleanup. You scratch your head, what is going on? Why is he hitting cleanup? That's why. Yeah. Is you're trying to play the hot hand because the guy hitting around him is not hot when it matters the most and having troubles for whatever that reason is, could be a thousand reasons, is not getting it done. And you're trying to put that guy in the right position. When the lineup flips around and the guys are on base and you need that guy coming up with two outs, man, it's it's just the, the way they think about how they make their lineups out – the way they individually just pick at each certain guy. Yeah, it's 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 crazy it to really, listen to Hunter Mintz talk about just every little individual thing. It's imagine if you're trying to hit and a, and a hitting coach is throwing all this stuff at you. But I think I, I think guys also probably know what to filter out. And, Do they? I didn't know how. Sweeney Murdy is a Yankees reporter with WFAN in New York. Mr. Barker mentioned. Aaron Judge is playing baseball like a guy who wants to get paid. Actually, no, he's playing baseball like a guy who knows he's going to get paid. We'll talk to Sweeney Murdy about that. 590-590 is the text line. It is Blair and Barker. This is Sportsnet 590, the fan. Sportsnet 360. And you can also get us wherever you find your favorite podcast.